Welcome to episode number four of the Grab Blogger podcast. We're helping academics build businesses and change the world through blogging, podcasting, and video. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we talk about how to name your blog, podcast, or YouTube channel. This is a really important first step and is actually a place where a lot of people kind of fail to launch or fail to get off the ground when they're trying to get their blog going. So they get hung up in, in picking a name. So it's a really important topic for people that are just getting started. We want to make sure that we covered it early on in the the podcast. So in today's show, we'll go through a six-step process that I use to create my blog names. Um, I've had three blogs so far, my dustexplosionresearch.com, my original blog, dustsafetyscience.com, which is my my business blog now, and I converted my dust exposure research to dust safety science. And we'll talk about why I did that in this episode, how I did that, some of the mistakes that I made. And then I also have gradblogger.com, which is where this podcast is hosted and where we're really helping academics to build online businesses. So in this show, we'll talk about that six-step process. We'll give some tips on selecting or getting the correct name for your blog. Um, and we'll go through some of the examples. We'll actually go through people's websites that are friends of grad bloggers and see what they've done and how they've used blogging. We'll also talk about using your own personal name for your blog and what that looks like as well. So some of the information from this episode comes from the first lesson of the Grab Blogger Getting Started mini course. If you're interested in taking the full course, it's a 10-day email course really designed to get you up and running in maximum of two weeks with your blog from not having any ideas through to actually having something up in blog posts. If you want to access that, you can do it through the show notes at grabblogger.com slash four for this episode. So to start, I want to cover why why it's important to have a good name for your blog. And the first thing is, this is what people first see when they come to your website or when they type in your your URL, is they, they get an idea of your branding, they get an idea of what you're about, and it can really turn people off if it's not done correctly. And it can also really bring people in if it is done correctly. And we'll talk a little bit about what mistakes might come up, what uh, kind of processes maybe you should use in this podcast episode. As I, I mentioned previously, this is also where a lot of people get stuck. So if you get hung up in picking a name, it becomes harder to move forward to actually launch your blog. And I've seen people that have taken six months, two months, a year, and they still have their blog up because they haven't figured their blog name. So that's the whole purpose of that getting started mini course is really get you up and running in one to two weeks. And this whole picking a name thing shouldn't take more than a week. And ideally, it should only really take two days. And we'll cover that all in this episode. In addition to that, you can use the same strategy, the six-step process that I, I'll talk about to name programs, coaching courses, webinars, individual blog posts. It's really a, a way to generate keywords, to mash those keywords together and come up with naming conventions. So it's important to note that you can use this, again, for your blog, for your podcast, for your videos, um, or anything else that you're doing in your platform or your business. So I want to talk about the six-step process on generating blog name ideas. So step one is to do a 10-minute keyword session. So sit down with a notepad and a pen. This is preferable. It's better than actually writing on a computer screen so it'll get your brain flowing more. Set a timer and just write as many keywords as possible about your topic. So in my case, with industrial safety and chemical engineering and dust explosions and dust fires, that was my research area in the area of my business today. That's dustsafetyscience.com. Keywords were things like dust, explosion, fire, venting, suppression, Safety, industrial safety, uh, things like these these kind of words that come up when you think of industrial safety, process engineering, and just write these all out. So take 10 minutes and just brainstorm these ideas. Write them all down. No ideas are bad. And you should be able to come up pretty quickly with a list of maybe 30, 40, 50 keywords. So the second step to the process is to take a break. 
So go take a 20-minute walk, go eat some lunch, and then come back and do another one of these 10-minute keyword sessions. And this is where your brain will really start to fire on all cylinders. And I, I learned this trick from Pat Flynn. It was either on the Smart Passive Income podcast or it might have been from his book, Will It Fly? But he uses it for mind mapping, and I use this quite a bit for mind mapping in my business as well. I do a full brainstorm session. I go take a break. I come back and do another brainstorm session. And then I start to match things together and come up with these ideas. So this is really the first two steps to generating your blog name ideas. Let's do one keyword brainstorming session, take a break, and then do a second session. After this, the third step is to do additional keyword research. You can look at papers in your field, textbooks, sites like Quora, askthepublic.com, um, these different type of websites that collect ideas and opinions from people to get more keywords about your topics. We, we covered this textbook idea in episode one of the podcast on content creation strategies for your research blog. But a really great way to go is to go to Amazon, look for the textbooks in your field. In my case, I'd type in dust explosion, pull up some of the textbooks, and you can generally flip through the table of contents free of charge. That will give you a, a big list of keywords that are relevant to your field. Step four is to take this gigantic list of keywords now. You should have maybe 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 after this process and highlight five or 10 of the best ones, the key ones that you have. So when I started my first website, my first blog, mydustexplosionresearch.com, I highlighted words like dust, explosion, research, safety, industrial safety, and other keywords I thought resonated both with myself, but also with the audience that I was trying to, to reach out to, which at that point was, was academics looking at research in this area. Step five of this process is to start doing some word mashups. Take those five to 10 best keywords and start putting them together in different orders. You can do this with something like Excel if you just put them all into a list and then copy and paste them beside each other. Um, or you can do pen and paper as well. I like to do you know five, 10 different combinations of these and then select the top three as your, your top three options moving forward to use for your blog name. So that's steps one through five. Now you have a couple of your top favorite types of blog names. And I call this step hitting the streets. So actually go out and start using these words, talk to people and see how they, they react to this combination of wording. See how easy it is to say. These are really important things to do. And I, I would put a, a limit on this of one week max before you actually go about setting up your blog using the, the URL and the domain name you came with. Ideally, you can really do this in a day or two. If you have lab mates or even your professor you could talk to, your supervisor, um, people involved in your family or people that are involved in your research, these are all great resources that you start talking to. So I want to talk about four tips. And these actually come from mistakes that I made. And you can probably guess what some of them are, thinking of my first blog name, mydustexplosionresearch.com. But we'll, we'll get into that when we get to the examples as well. But I want to talk about these four tips for picking your blog name. So tip number one is get feedback on the name. A lot of people are kind of nervous when they're creating their blog and their website, and they want to get it all up, have it all looking really nice, and have the, the branding elements there, and, and then unveil it all to the world. But the problem is then you don't get any feedback on what your name is, and you might end up with a name that you really don't like, like I did when I first started. So tip number one is make sure that you get feedback on the name. Tell some people. Talk about it. Uh, if you have a community, if you're involved in Twitter communities, ask people what they think as well. Tip number two is to say the name out loud and do it lots of times. So you can do this to yourself, but it's better, again, if you do this with other people. 
In my case, mydustexplosionresearch.com. I got pretty good at saying it because I said a lot, but other people really struggled to say it back to me. So if they're introducing me, say in a presentation or something like that, they really kind of fumbled with mydustexplosionresearch.com as being something really hard to say. I really wish I had said it aloud a lot more when I started. Tip number three is to get the .com if possible. This is becoming less prevalent, I guess. As we move forward, you see different domain endings like maybe .info or .io for software products. But .com is still the most trusted name through Google. It's still the most recognized universal name. Um, there are some geographical names, maybe .au if you're in Australia or, or whatnot. But really the .com, you should really be trying to get that. There's a couple of reasons. One, again, it's the most trusted, it's the most recognized, it's the most easy to remember. For me, it'd be harder for somebody to remember gradblogger.ca than would gradblogger.com, even though I'm located in Canada. Second reason is if gradblogger.com is available and I don't take it, somebody else could take it in the future and then build their platform to be maybe more content than yours, more authoritative, and they're probably going to overshadow your website because you don't have the .com ending. It's possible this may become less important moving forward, say five years from now, but today it's still best practice to try to get the .com. Tip number four is to don't delay. Pick something and go with it. So I mentioned really one or two days is a really good timeline to get an idea and to talk about it to people. And then the real trick is to move forward. Do not take more than a week to come up with your domain name. If you see yourself doing that, then you really need to evaluate, are you using this as a crutch to stop yourself from moving forward? And if you do that, think about the time you're losing that you could be gaining authority with the website, building a business, building out your platform, or doing other more important parts like actually communicating with your audience because you're back still trying to figure out what the correct or the right domain name is. You can change it later. And that's what I do with my website. And we'll talk about that as we get into the examples as well. So before I move into the, the different examples I have, I want to talk about kind of the obvious choice, the choice that you're probably thinking about at this point in the podcast I haven't mentioned, which is using your personal name.com or even not some other extension. In my case, it would be chriscloney.com. And this is a really great way to help build your personal brand. It's really good because people have to type in your name and you kind of own your name if you have that website. You own your presence online a little bit more. If somebody Googles your name, you're more likely to come to you than somebody with a similar name in a different field. So this is a really good thing to do. The reason I didn't do it is because it's harder to house multiple interests. So in my case, I have industrial safety, I have dust safety science, which is helping to reduce fatalities in industries handling powdered materials. Then I have Grad Blogger helping academics build businesses and change the world. And these two brands don't really have a lot of overlap. So when I was kind of planning out, it seemed like it'd be hard to have them housed under one roof. So I do own the domain name chriscloney.com. And my plan for that is to really create a kind of umbrella website at some point that can house where I maybe do my presenting from. If people want to bring me in to talk to their university or to do these kind of presentations or that sort of thing, then that'd be the place they go for that information. And I'll have both my websites underneath there, but it's kind of like an umbrella. There are other options. You can, if you have multiple interests that have similar audiences, you can put them under a same one common personal name. We'll get into that in the examples that we'll talk about coming up. However, I do want to kind of leave this section with one word of advice, and that is once this episode's over, go see if your domain name is available and purchase it even if you're not planning on using your personal brand as your website. So go to godaddy.com or bluehost.com and just search and see if your name is there. In my case, it'd be chriscloney.com. I know it's not there because I've already bought it. 
I would suggest buying your own domain name. I've actually done where I bought my domain name and my wife's. Uh, I do that through, it's called parking the domain name. So I bought it through godaddy.com, which is right now what I recommend is the, the kind of best website to go buy domain names and park them. Uh, that may change in the future. You can find our recommended websites at, at gradblogger.com slash resources. But right now that's what I, I recommend people doing. I think it costs something like maybe 20 bucks to, to get your domain name. And I think it's a less than a hundred bucks if you want to save it for up to five years. So I would recommend doing that right now, even if you're not planning on using your personal name. It protects your personal brand. Again, when somebody Googles your name, they're less likely to come up with somebody else. And down the road, when you do want to use your personal name as your brand, or for part of that, you have that option. So again, listen to the rest of this podcast episode and then go see if your name is available and pick that up. Now I want to talk about some example domain names. These are my domains we'll go through first. We'll talk about some of the mistakes I've made, um, some of the mistakes that I don't want you to make when you're picking your domain name for obvious reasons that will be obvious when you when we talk through them. Um, then we'll actually talk through some friends of grad bloggers, other people in the academic entrepreneurship space that are helping graduate students or they're helping people that have graduated with, with higher degrees. What have they done? How have they maybe used their personal brand where I didn't? And how is that really working for them? So the first example I want to use is mydustexplosionresearch.com, which was my original blog. As you can probably tell, I'm not, I wasn't then, and I'm still not a branding expert um, because that name's not very good. It's very hard to say, but you can see how I came up with it through my, my keyword strategy. So I, I picked the keywords dust, explosion, and research. In the case, that was my topic, dust, explosion, and research was really what I was all about. I was trying to connect the research in my field through to industrial applications. And just for fun, even though dustexplosionresearch.com was available, I stuck a my in the front. So this is an extra tip. Don't do that. The reason I did it was I was kind of nervous, I guess, that people would take this as the authoritative website on dust explosion research. So I stuck my in the front. So it was really like my take. But the problem was after a year of blogging, it really was the authoritative platform for dust explosion research. And it was what I was building out to be my business. I was monetizing, but I had this stupid my stuck in the front. Um, so I would advise not doing that. So that's even an extra bonus tip. Don't add extra words when they're not needed. Really try to find the .com. If you have to add extra words, they really should be related to the keywords on your sheet that you came up with in the, the first step or the first and second steps of the process that we recommend. Otherwise, I didn't say the name aloud, out loud very much and realized quite quickly that it's pretty hard to say. The second example I want to talk about is dustsafetyscience.com. So this is where my my independent research company is housed now. It's where we house the Dust Safety Science podcast, the Combustible Dust Instant Database. And this is this is a much better name for my website. I really like that it had sort of a, an alliterative with the two S's to it. It rolls off the tongue a lot more. It has a, a nice acronym, DSS. A lot of my audience and community, when they, they reach out to me, they abbreviate this to DSS. Uh, but it also fits more broadly with my audience. So instead of just focusing on research, focusing on what I call safety science. So this includes engineering and technology, includes human factors, includes government regulations, and it's a little more broad. The other side of it, this word dust, the general public may not really understand, but if you're landing on my website and you're in powder handling industries and you see dust safety science, you really have a good idea what that is about in, in terms of that audience. So it works really well there. 
I migrated my dust explosion research over to dust safety science in April of 2018, so just about a year ago at the time of recording. Actually, just looking at the date, it's April 11th while I'm recording this, and it is almost precisely a year ago that I migrated over. This worked pretty well. Within a couple months, we actually had all the traffic pretty much from my dustexplosionresearch.com going through dust safety science. And I'll talk a bit in a future episode about how we did that because there's some interesting steps involved. But the, the point for the purpose of this episode is that it is possible to change your domain name to have limited impact with the traffic that's coming through. It will have, a, it will have an effect. But now today, we're quite a bit higher than we ever were with my dust explosion research. And then the third example I want to talk about is actually gradblogger.com. So this website, I still remember when I first said this name to somebody, I was at a coffee shop, I thought about it a bit, and you can see how I came up with it through my keyword research. Um, I had graduate student and blogger, and I had a bunch of other keywords, but I combined the two to, to gradblogger. So I was sitting at this coffee shop having a, having a coffee with a friend who's also in online marketing and blogging space. I said, yeah, I'm really thinking about helping academics, helping graduate students, through this website, GradBlogger. And as soon as I said it, his eyes kind of lit up and he's like, oh, I love that name. And then the second person I said to it asked me if I had bought that domain name yet. They really liked it as well. And then as I started talking to other academics, they started asking me, well, how's the GradBlogger project going? And they could really say it and enunciate it. And it was kind of catchy. So I knew from going out in the world and talking to people that this name could be successful in building a brand around. So I want to give some more examples of people that didn't use their personal name for their brand and how that worked well for them. I'm actually going to give three different examples, and they've used it in, in different ways. So I think this will be instructive to the, the listeners. I think it will also help you when you're brainstorming your blog name ideas as well. So the first of these is from phdtolife.com, which is the, the blog of Dr. Jennifer Polk. She now has quite a few different businesses, including Beyond Prof including another business that works as part of Beyond Prof with university groups, self-employed PhD, and other communities like that. But this, this original blog, she started as part of her coaching business and was blogging on quite a bit, the name really focuses on the audience. So from PhD to life, that's really a cry to the audience to be able to find meaningful career paths out of their PhDs. Even though the, the name is focused on the audience, as soon as you land on her website, or at least today when you do, you see a big picture of her smiling and you kind of see her personality shine through even though the website is is not named personally after her which is really great if you're in a coaching business or even have other businesses in academic entrepreneurship space that are really focused around you the next example i want to get is personal finance for phds by dr emily roberts and this domain name actually uses an acronym it's pf for phds so this is another option you can use if your, your keywords are really long, you can use an acronym for those. And that may be something that's kind of catchy and something that people will remember and helps with your branding as well. And in this case, instead of focusing on the audience, well, I guess it still kind of focuses on the audience, but it starts to focus on the solution a bit as well. So what is the audience? The solution for this audience it involves personal finance. Again, if you go to this website today, you'll see that, that Dr. Emily Roberts has her personal image right up front and still has her own personal branding pretty closely associated with this website. And then the final website I want to talk about as an example that, that doesn't include the individual's personal name is careerpathwritingsolutions.com by Dr. Heidi Justo. Heidi's website has this more traditional approach, a keyword-based approach, something similar to the, the approach I outlined in the, the six steps above in this current podcast episode. 
and it's really focused on the solution. So in her case, she's helping individuals succeed when the stakes are high, writing things like resumes or large grant proposals. And that then comes through career path writing solutions as those keywords are really relevant to those solutions. So this website is, is a little less focused on Heidi's personal brand. However, you do go to the about page, you still hear about her story. She's just not placed right up front, or at least at the time of this recording, which is another way to go. If you have a brand that's more professional, say, or you want to give off an air of professionalism, like you might want to if you're providing resume solutions or dealing in, in large government grants or things like that, then this is another way to go. You can use the keyword-based approach and have less yourself out front, but it's still important to have something about yourself on the about page like she does here. So now I want to move on and talk about a number of examples that use their personal brand in the domain name and how that kind of fits in with their overall branding and what they're about and what they do. The first example of this is sofetalkscience.com by Dr. Sophie Arthur. This is actually a hybrid approach. So she has her name, but she also has what she, she does on her website, which is talk about different science, highlighting scientists, and talking about what it means to be a grad student in these type of fields. This is a, another option if you have this kind of hybrid approach where you can include your name, but also your topic and your solution. The next example is echorivera.com by Dr. Echo Rivera. And if you go to her website today, at the time recording, you see it's very, very focused on a single topic, making academics and scientists be awesome presenters. So she could have went and, and used something like academic presenting or some keyword mashup for her domain name, but she chose to go with her personal brand. And for Echo, this works really well because she's so outgoing, she's so outspoken, and if you follow her on Twitter or, or any of the social networks, in addition to seeing her website and her brand or follow her newsletter, you see her personal brand flows through everything she does. She eats, breathes, and sleeps presenting almost. So it's a really good combination of, of having this subject matter, but also keeping it under her personal brand umbrella. Next example I want to talk about is lindsaypadilla.com. This is from Dr. Lindsay Padilla. And in this case, it's very heavily personalized. So if you go to the website today, at the time of recording again, April 11th, 2019, so you see she's right up front. And I've seen her domain change a couple times as she sort of rolls out different ideas or different projects. I've seen it move from Academics Mean Business Podcast, which is a, a really great podcast in the academic entrepreneurship space. I was recorded, I think, as episode number 44, so you go check that out. Um, but she's also released courses like Build a Better Beta, courses on how to um, create courses as an academic, and she has communities and different things. So this website's really an umbrella that kind of captures her brand, but also these different projects that she's working on. Another example is katiepeplin.com. Again, this is Dr. Katie Peplin. You can see how nice it is when you have a personal brand you don't have to actually say what the name is. The domain name says it all. Uh, but Katie's work is really focused on how grad school can be better through having support. This could be emotional support. This could be productivity support. And that's really what she's about, and that's kind of what her website's about. But she also has things for like her community, Thrive PhD, also included under this personal brand website. But instead of having it fully integrated, she does have a separate website for the Thrive PhD community. I think that is... It will be in the show notes. I think it's thrive-phd.com, but uh, we'll confirm that and include in the show notes at grabblogger.com slash four. Another example is lisamonroe.net. And so in this case, Lisa, Dr. Lisa Monroe, has a website about how to become a better writer. She, she does things like host writing retreats. And although the domain name is very personal, it's her name, the actual website is a little less. It's more focused on the solution. It's more focused on how to become a better writer. 
But anybody that has read any of her writing or, or knows what she does knows that she's very, very extremely personal in her communication and in her writing style. She's actually one of the best, I don't know if the right word would be pure writer, but um, she's certainly a much better pure writer than I am. And, and I actually really enjoy reading her material because she so puts herself into it so much. So that's kind of one way to use a personal brand, even though the, the website might not have her personal branding elements right up front. Then the last example I wanted to use of this is actually a pretty good one because it, it houses a bunch of different things. And this is katielinder.work. So again, just like Lisa Monroe, it's not necessarily using the .com, but it is a, a place that houses a lot of different things. And one I, the reason I want to use this at the end is that Katie, or Dr. Katie Linder, is really involved in a ton of different things. She has podcasts, courses, books, webinars, coaching. She's done website development. She has all these things, and she does a really good job of housing that under one personal brand domain. So like I said up front, there's no one size fits all. In my case, I went with not using my personal brand and eventually using that as an umbrella to house kind of links to Dust Safety Science and to Grad Blogger. But because of those communities, I saw them as separate. I didn't want to combine them under one website to begin with. In Katie's work, you see that her audience might be pretty similar between the podcasts, the courses, the books, and it may really make sense to house that all under one personal brand at katielinder.work. And it's important to mention that she is the one common element that ties all that together. I just thought that closing with that example really closed the loop to show you the different possibilities depending on the audience that you're providing, the solutions that you're looking at, your desire to have your own personal branding, and how that might all fit in in selecting a blog name that, that fits with what you want. So I hope you found this episode interesting and useful in, in figuring out for your own strategy how to name your blog, name your podcast, or name your YouTube channel, or even a strategy for, for naming anything else in your business. We talked about this six-step process to coming up with blog name ideas, make sure you hit the street and getting those out there. We talked about some tips for picking your blog name. Um, we talked about a bunch of examples, people that have used either these kind of keyword mashups or acronyms, or even use their own personal brands, their own personal name as their websites, and how these might work with different audiences, with different solutions that you're providing. The big takeaway I want here is that you need to get started. So picking a domain name is an important step, but it's not reversible or it's not irreversible. So we really should only be spending a couple days to come up with a domain name. You find yourself taking longer than that, taking longer in a week, it's time to really see if that's you kind of sandbagging or holding back for fear of just getting out there. So I would encourage you to follow this process, come up with a name, and move forward. If you want to link through to any of the websites that I mentioned in this episode, you can do that at the show notes at grabblogger.com slash four. That's the number four for this episode. Uh, you can also download the transcripts of this episode there if you want to, to read them instead. And we'll include a cheat sheet with, I think we're up to six tips now, for selecting your, your blog name, the four that I mentioned here, plus some extra bonus tips that I, I mentioned throughout this, this episode. I'd encourage you, if you enjoyed this episode of the Grablogger podcast or the previous three episodes, to go rate and review on iTunes. If you're on your mobile, you can just go to the Grablogger show itself, scroll to the bottom, and you'll see the, the five stars, give an honest rating, and also give an honest review. And that would really help us get the, the blog and the podcast out to more people. And my kind of final words from this episode that I'll leave off with is that those of you that want to get started, if you're leaving, listening to this in real time and you don't have a blog yet, but you really want to get started, I'm going to challenge you to have a name selected by the time the next episode comes out. So by the next seven days when this next episode comes live, 
I want you to have a blog name. And once you buy that domain, once you start getting it set up, share that name, share that blog that you've created and put into the world in the comments section for these show notes. I'm really looking forward to seeing what people come up with, to replying to any questions in the show notes, and to talking to you again soon about building a business as an academic and changing the world through blogging, podcasting, and video. 